Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Oh, boy, things are just... Things are... They aren't the worst, but they aren't great. They aren't trending great. Stick around. We got a lot to talk about. Some good, some bad. Ups and downs, strikes and gutters, so on and so forth. Adam, how you doing? Not too bad. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, before we go into the show, I just want to take this time to mention we are recording on September 11th, so just want to express my continued sympathies to the families of those who lost people in the 9-11 attacks 18 years ago. It's a day that those of us who were alive will never forget. Um, and uh, we always just want to have our thoughts with those people who have lost loved ones and those first responders who risked and gave their lives to save other people. Uh, so I just wanted to say that real quick. All right, so baseball. Um, well, where do we start? Adam, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty dang disappointed that this team couldn't gain any ground whatsoever, and they couldn't put Milwaukee away. They had a golden opportunity to do so, and they couldn't. Uh, I came on this show a few nights ago to kind of express some frustration, and you know, since that show, they lost three or four in Milwaukee. They dominated the first game in San Diego, which we will get back to. And then last night, I think you could argue last night was one of the most frustrating games of this season, and especially in crunch time. All it took was not seeing Ben Zobrist, who has been great, by the way, since coming back. He's been hitting very well. He's looked good. I'm glad he's back. But that throw that led to three runs scoring... And then eventually leading to a walk-off loss because you walked a bunch of guys who are hitting like sub-220. I mean, that game right there literally felt like you just threw it away. Well, yeah. I mean, you, the Cardinals lost and the Cubs couldn't find a way to win that game. That's a big deal. Uh, the Brewers are only a game back from the second wild card spot now. Yet, In fact, you've got a lot of teams that are in the hunt for that second wild card spot. I was a whole lot more optimistic last week than I am today. Um, I, it, this just feels like a team that's falling apart, to tell you the truth. It, it just feels like things have been dismantled. They've lost a lot of players. It doesn't look like they're playing with a lot of fire. I mean, I know that they made a comeback effort last night, but the bottom line is this is a, a Padres team that's 10 games below 500, and you're in a really tight race. And so the, every one of these games matters. I question the decision to have C-Sheck finishing off this last guy last night. I, mean, I do too. How many people could have told you that that was going to end in a walk-off walk? I think that was just so utterly predictable. Mm -hmm. And I think that fans are probably justified in feeling really frustrated and mad about that. Because it's, I think so many people just saw that coming. That seemed like the most likely scenario. And then we it watched it unfold. summed up the Cubs in one season. It really it, did. It did. And it, what it feels, it feels like a wasted game. It does. It, it feels like a game that they had in the palm of their hands. 
and they let it go to waste. And, you know, I know there's still two games left in this series. You can take three out of four, and that'll be great. But you still are going to look back on a game like this and say, gee, if we ju- if this wouldn't have happened, then, then maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. Because right now, it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility that the Cubs miss the playoffs entirely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's, that could very easily end up happening. I mean, the, if the Cubs skid a little bit in another team, you know, the Mets, the Brewers, Phillies catch fire, the Cubs could just miss the playoffs entirely. That could happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you look at those games ahead with the Cardinals. You have the Fort Wrigley Field and the three to end the season. You may not be fighting for the division at that point. You may just be fighting for your playoff lives. And look, the fact of the matter is, if you look at the math to take to win the division, it's pretty unlikely. It's not impossible, but it's getting more and more unlikely. I will say this. The Cardinals are playing the Rockies. They're in a a three-game series with the Rockies. They lost game one last night. After their series with the Rockies, they're only going up against teams that are above 500. The Rockies are the last team the Cardinals play in the regular season with a record below 500. So that that is in the Cubs' favor. The Cardinals do not exactly have the easiest road uh, as we wind up here. So the Cubs do still have a little bit of an opportunity to gain some ground, but it just feels like at the moment... Like, they're not going to take advantage of that opportunity. Right. Just the way things have been going, it feels like a typical Chicago Cubs moment uh, that they they would have this golden opportunity in front of them and not be able to seize it. Well, and here's the thing, too. Sure, the Cardinals have a tougher schedule. But to your point, the Cubs also have to take advantage of that. Even if the Cardinals play 500 ball the rest of the way, the Cubs have to play some pretty flawless baseball as well. I mean, that's that's the whole thing with me. Now, if the Cubs were maybe two games back right now, it's a completely different story. You're right there, but you're more than two games back right now. Well, if you want my, it, you, you know, it's different. It is. It's, it's a different situation than last year, too, because at this point last year, uh, the mentality was, okay, you just need to survive. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that. Then they fell all the way to the wild card. This year, it's different. It, it's it's not survive right now. It's you got to catch fire right yeah. now. Yeah. I mean, the Cubs the Cubs are not at a point right now where they where they can just you know you win you go slightly above five hundred the rest of the way and you'll be all right. They're, the Cubs are, they're past that point. They have to catch fire and they've got to start winning a lot of series. They could, in my opinion, I don't have the exact math in front of me, but. The way I look at it is you can't lose more than five games remaining when you think about it, unless the Cardinals just take a big nosedive. It depends on the other teams in the hunt. I mean, it's I mean, it's it's so much different than years past when, Mm -hmm. you know, at this point, things were kind of wrapped up because there was such a, a big separation between even the wild card teams. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the divisions feel like they're about done. I don't necessarily believe that it's a done deal for the Cardinals yet. I'm not nearly as optimistic as I was last week, like I said, but I also don't think it's a done deal yet. But this year you've got the Mets, the Diamondbacks, the Phillies, and the Brewers all really close together yep. and gunning for that spot. And so if you're the Chicago Cubs, every single game is crucial. 
I mean, mm-hmm. there there are no throwaway moments anymore. There no. are, I mean, it's it's kind of like last night. And you know, I I don't know what you would have done differently. Certainly, myself and other people would have some ideas about that. But I I think leaving C Shack in when he was pretty wild was a questionable decision. I mean, yeah, absolutely, and you, and absolutely. You, you knew you you can't play with fire like that when you've got four teams right behind you wanting your spot. You just it's not can't. April. It's September. You you have to you have to play each game much more aggressive than that. I completely agree. I completely agree. Look back. I don't know. Just two three weeks in Milwaukee. At the very least, you should have split that series. At the very least, not winning that Saturday night game was brutal. And you know which one I'm talking about, right? Well, and we we talked before that series, the show that we did before that series, I mean, we laid it out. One of two things is going to happen after this series. Either Milwaukee is going to be buried and almost out of the the race completely, Mm -hmm. or the Cubs are going to let them right back in. And what did they do? They let them right back in. Yep. I mean, they held the door open for them. There was... There was no excuse not to lose that Saturday night game. You had bases loaded, nobody out. You got one, but that was it. And then the very first pitch of the next inning is hit out for a game-tying home run. Then the winning run scores because of an error. Again, you're throwing these games away. Go back to the series against Milwaukee at home. You could have easily won two or three there. It's it's completely different. And go back even further. Go back to the Washington series. If you'd have at least salvaged one of those, you salvage one of those, you take two or three at home from Milwaukee, and you, at the very least split against Milwaukee, not only does the wild card race look different, but the division race does as well. You'd be almost neck and neck with the Cardinals at that point. It's true. I mean, and, you know, you... You accept the fact that the Cubs, they're not going to win every game going no. forward. They're just not. No. And you, you you expect to win the series that you're supposed to win, though. They didn't do that. But the one thing that you cannot excuse is sloppy baseball. Right. And at this point in the season when things are so close and you've got multiple teams in the hunt, they're really there's just no excuse for errors in sloppy ball. There's just not. I mean, that's a mental thing. You're going you're gonna to get hit off of. You're going to give up some runs, but the Mm -hmm. one thing you can always prevent is beating yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. That's so well said. Look at last night, that error by Zobers. Again, I hate ripping the guy because he's been great at the plate, but I just, oh, right there. It, It just summed up the season right there. They're among the tops in errors. This team shouldn't be among the tops in errors. No, it's, they shouldn't. It's been a problem all year long. And it's not just one person. It's across the board. Zobrist is usually very reliable. Javier Baez, who, you know, magic glove this year, has made a lot of a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors. Chris Bryant has had his share of errors. It's guys you normally wouldn't see doing it or doing it. And that's what's so mind-boggling. Yeah, it, it's it's completely mind blowing. But again, the Cubs still have an opportunity here. They've got seven games against the Cardinals left on the regular season schedule. Seven yep. games. 
for and th- those those are going to be massive. Every single one of those games is going to be huge, unless of mm-hmm. course the Cardinals take three or four, sweep the Cubs in that first four game series. If that's yeah. the case, then at that point, then it's it's a lock that the Cardinals have won the division. Yeah. But other than those seven games against the Cardinals, every team the Cubs play has a record below 500. Yep, all of them, yep. including the, these last two games of the Padres series. After that, you, you've got Pirates and Reds. Pirates, Reds, Cardinals. Those are the only three teams the Cubs play after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, two series all, of the Pirates. Yeah. You, I mean, you feel like the, the Cardinals series is a coin flip. But other than that, you expect to win all of those series. I mean, at this point, you just have to. There's no way around it. You, you've got to beat those teams. Yeah, and I don't want to hear the, oh, well, the Reds have more talent. No, at this point of the game, you no, the have Cubs, to beat them. The Cubs are a better team all around than the Reds, and it's there's really no reason why the Cubs should have been owned as much as they have against Cincinnati this year. The Cardinals have had zero trouble with the Reds this year. They have murdered the Reds. Well, and year. you know what? The, the Cubs, on paper, the Cubs are a more talented team than the Cardinals are, too. I they agree. They really are. I as- agree especially in the rotation. I mean, what's most frustrating to me is that night after night you watch the Cardinals win when they're they're starting a pitcher who's who's got a 490 to to a 5 ERA. Yeah. And meanwhile, yeah. the Cubs are, are are throwing out all these pitchers who are supposed to be top-end guys and they're just getting clobbered. Yeah. Or they're pitching okay and the bullpen falters so they the don't get And the bullpen blows it. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's that's been the biggest theme of the year I think for the Cubs is that they, they've never had multiple areas on at the same time. You know, if, yes. if, if the guys in the rotation in the bullpen are pitching well, the bats are nowhere to be found. If the Cubs are scoring nine runs a game, then the other team is scoring 12. And it's mm-hmm. been that way all season long. They've never had both ends going at the same time. No, that's so true. It, that's so true. And it's a, it's a huge problem. I mean, even when you think about it, You've seen some of those games where the Cubs look like they're on their way to a blowout. But then it ends up being a lot closer because the pitching just suddenly falters. I mean, prime examples, the game against the Mets where they were up 10 to 1 and the Mets got within like spitting distance of the Cubs. Thank God the Cubs won, but you get my point. It's funny you mention that because I was talking to a friend yesterday. We were talking some baseball and I said there's two teams in the league that I would never ever be sure of until the game is over until that last out is recorded the cubs and the mets mhm mhm no lead is safe with the cubs no, no lead is safe at any point no and it's we're not just talking a one or two run lead we're talking like five run lead I yeah mean, you, you know you, what i mean the cubs can carry a five run lead into the ninth inning and i'm still like uh, yeah. i've seen this movie before i know how yeah. it ends we saw it in philadelphia the Bryce Harper Grand Slam. They're up five to one. You've seen it so many times. Hey, you know, you know what the other I, I this this is a problem that's unfortunately created by the team this year is when you are watching a game, at least this is for me, you gotta confirm this. I mean you kind of already half confirmed it. If the Cubs are up by five, I'm nervous they're gonna blow it. If the Cubs are down by five, I think there's no chance they're coming back. In in years past well, I say differently, but not this year. And I think the the most frustrating part is that they they seem to, 
you know, th- and this isn't exclusive to the Cubs. I'll grant them that. But when the Cubs go down by three or four runs early in the first five innings, it's a done. It's done. The game is over. How many times have you seen the Cubs make a comeback down early this year? It just doesn't happen. I mean, and it it really just looks like they check out. Yeah. If they're down by three or four runs within the first five innings. I mean, but the opposite is not true. I mean, the Cubs, no lead is safe with the Cubs. Like we've said, the Cubs have a three or four run inning, uh, three or four run lead in the first five innings. It almost feels inevitable that they're going to blow that lead at some point. Well, you know, you watch a game and there have been games where the Cubs score like four or five in the first inning. And then the next inning where the, the opposition bats, that leadoff guy gets on base. You know what you're saying this year. You're saying, oh, here we go. And that's just one guy getting on base when you're up by a lot. But it, it just it feels like I, I always get a sense of just not being comfortable when they have a lead and they put a guy or two on base in the middle innings. Because more often than not, it feels like it gets way too interesting for comfort. It's I, I'm only comfortable if our pitchers are just mowing down, getting out after out after out. And as soon as the other team gets some little base runner on some infield single or chopper that finds a hole or whatever, you start to get nervous because you see those types of innings just lead to implosions. Look at last night. There were three balls to start off the inning that were just dribbled. They weren't hit hard at all, but one found a hole. The other found a shift where Zobris couldn't throw in time. And all of a sudden the Padres are off to the races. It's it's just been this way all year long. There's never been a long stretch of baseball this season where you felt comfortable with no. the way the Cubs were playing. It, small moments here or there, but never like a month-long stretch or longer. And so even if the Cubs do manage to survive and make it into the postseason, it begs the question, what makes us think they're going to they're going to change in October? I mean, is, is this team just going to flip over and, and be somebody else I, I it's hard to say and you know you you feel like you have to win this series with the Padres going back oh, there's to the no Padres. question there's no question but do you feel comfortable with tonight because I certainly do not I mean if Cole Hamels was... Cole Hamels has been really rough lately you're on the road and you're going against arguably the Padres best starting pitcher if this was pre-injury Cole Hamels, I'd feel perfectly fine. Sure. But, but it's, it's not. not. It's no. not. And every time Cole Hamels has taken the mound since he's gotten hurt, it's the same first inning over and over. You see him miss high and away. The command isn't there. The velocity's a tick or two down. And the opposition loads the bases. Now, the one thing I'll give Hamels credit in some of those starts since he's come back is that he's been able to settle in. But there are starts where he hasn't. It's what sucks to see is the guy who was once your most reliable starter, arguably, is now probably your least reliable one. It's 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 flipped that quickly. It's that's I I think it's that's up for debate. I I would be tempted to throw John Lester in there right now, but which is fair, which is fair. The reality is the the Cubs have a really, really tough matchup tonight, and if I was a betting man, I'd be tempted to go with the Padres. I mean, Chris Paddock is is a good young pitcher, and nobody in this Cubs lineup has seen him yet. 
it doesn't feel great. It no. feels it. This feels like advantage Padres, which if that ends up being the case, the best you can do is split, and you hate to do that. No, you really don't, and that's why last night really stings. If let's say you won last night, you took the first two, you have a rough one tonight, and then tomorrow you hopefully get a good outing from Darvish, and that's three or four. Then okay, but you put yourself in the situation it's it's not a situation you want to be in. And unfortunately, they've put themselves in this situation so many times. How many times have we looked at a series and say, if they could just do this, they just do that. Mm-hmm. Rarely do we ask for a sweep. We weren't asking for a four-game sweep in Milwaukee. We were asking for three or four, or at the very least, a split. We weren't asking for a sweep against them at home. We were asking for two or three. We rarely or ever ask for sweeps unless you're playing like the Marlins. But if you're not even getting these series wins... It's not going to do you any good. Well, and you know, even the the Red series that it comes up after the Pirates series that that that'll happen after this Padres series, even that one, you look at that and and you wonder if the Cubs even have an advantage in that. I mean, the game one, you're going against Sonny Gray, who's been great this season. Mm-hmm. Game two, you're going against Mally, who has not had a particularly good season, but tends to dominate against the Cubs. Yep. And then in game three, you've got Luis Castillo, who has also had a very good year. And, I mean, I'm tempted to give the Reds the pitching advantage in all three of those games, even though the Reds are 11 games below 500. Well, I mean, the way things have trended this year against the Reds, it's not very favorable for no, the Cubs. But it's not. But guess what? If you want to be a postseason team, you got to play like a postseason team, and that means beating good pitching. And I mean, and. You know? And you've, you know, I think the biggest thing with that Red Series is that you've got the four gamer with the Cardinals right after that, yeah. and so you, you, you have to, you have to heat up before then. You can't afford yeah. to be in a in a situation where you're hanging your heads and wondering how you got here. You've got to be amped up and playing great ball by the time it comes to the Cardinals. You just have right. to. Right. That's very true, and it, it just it hurts. Right now, thinking that we may not see Javi Baez play again this year, unless they make the postseason. Even if they make the postseason, even if they make the wild card game, is there really any guarantee he's going to play in that either? I don't know. There's not. I don't think anybody does. I, I think the the report that that he's going to miss September. I think I think it's just optimistic that he might be able to come back. Uh, there's there's absolutely no guarantee that I've seen that Javi Baez is going to be able to play this season at any point. Even if right. they even if they made a deep run into the postseason, I I I'm not sure it's a given that he's going to be able to return, which is it's a huge loss, a huge loss, both offensively and defensively. Yep, yep, and Craig Kimbrell too. Look, here's here's my You're not really losing much with Kim, with Kimbrell though, are you? Well, I mean, I hate I hate to say that it, it's not a big deal, but Kimbrell's. I mean, let's face it. Kimbrel's been awful with the Cubs. He's been he's been terrible. He's been so bad that it. it just, I mean, maybe from a morale standpoint, you I mean you keep losing players to injuries. Maybe that it hurts in that way. But the reality is, is you're losing a pitcher who's been terrible for the Cubs so far. Well, I mean, I he's he's been efficient in the save situations. He's only blown one or two. A lot of the damage done against them has been in garbage time. But what I can't help even, but wonder is, I mean, even, I know, 
even I know even say yeah yeah even his saves though he's had to pull a rabbit out of his hat I mean the, the stuff was really starting to come together before he got hurt that's what that's what hurts for me is that it looked like he was finally getting it together and then he got hurt so I can't help but wonder and this is me going you know full pessimism here I mean let's say the Cubs lose this series and they continue to falter, and by the second to last week of the season, you're pretty much done in the division race, and you're falling in the wild card. Part of me can't help but wonder if they just say, we're just going to shut Kimbrell down and give him a normal offseason. It might not be a bad idea. I mean, if, if, Kimbrell was, if Kimbrell was a rental, which he obviously is not, then maybe it would be a different story. But yeah, right. you've, got, you've got the long road to think about. Yeah, maybe it is time to think a big picture, big picture with Kimbrel. Right. I mean, I mean, you're you're locked into this really big deal for a reliever, and so yeah, I think you unfortunately you probably can't afford to to risk injuring him for the long term. I, I mean, maybe maybe it is time to just shut him down and hope that he gets back to being his old self in 2020. I hate to have that mentality, especially in this spot when things are so close. But you wonder if that if there really are better options than that. I don't think there are. And this is this is a different. This is a very weird, unusual situation. This is a guy sure. who came in mid-season, didn't have a real off-season. This is a very, very different situation. And now, while I defend Kimbrel for the work he's done in getting saves. You're right. They haven't all been pretty, and he was still trying to find it as he was coming back, which didn't surprise me. Um, you know, with that being said, because he's had a very abnormal season, I guess you couldn't help but wonder how efficient he would be coming back from injury in this season, in the postseason. Would it even be worth having him? I, it, the answer is probably yes. It's you cloudy, want your best yeah. reliever, but it is cloudy. It is cloudy. You get what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, I can't help but wonder at times if the signing of Kimbrel was a little too reactionary by the Cubs. I mean, a look at his peripherals was showing that he was starting to drop off. And then there's a reason why no team in the league wanted to touch him for the money that he was asking for. Am I wrong? Uh, I, I don't think I don't think anyone was going to pay a reliever that money, no matter who he was. But it, it did. He was asking a lot of money. He was, but the, and I mean, the this, compensation pick that that too. This is a household name that could not find a home with any team before the season started, and the Cubs just got absolutely lambasted by fans for not aggressively going after him, and maybe he's showing us why. I mean, it's almost like the Cubs front office knew something that we didn't. I am going to, I mean, this is what I'm going to do personally. Or maybe we were ignoring the obvious. Personally, I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt and see how he responds with a regular offseason next year. If he struggles next year, then yeah, I am going to go there. But right now, I'm going to kind of hold off on it. Just just because, again, he had a very abnormal year. Uh, he's had multiple injuries. I'm just going to wait and see on this one. I really am. 
that's just that's just me. And that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, the dude's been even last year before the postseason. The dude was still lights out before the post. I mean, in the postseason, he was used a lot, and so I'm just I'm gonna wait and see on that front. But that's fair. I just think that you know so many fans. Their reaction to getting Craig Kimbrell was, oh, God, finally, our, our bullpen is saved, at least to a degree. And, and I think that was really only just because of the factor that he's a household name. I, I think that it, it was really unrealistic for people to expect Craig Kimbrell to just jump in on this team and be prime Craig Kimbrell without right. any offseason train, without a regular, you know, without getting into a routine, to just go in and be the dominant closer that he's historically been. I, I'm not sure why we just expected that to happen. I mean, throwing like you would, like throwing to a catcher, just a guy with a glove, is very different than facing right. a guy with live arm, I mean, a live batter. Don't get me wrong. To get somebody with that pedigree was exciting. Mm-hmm. But to me, this situation was entirely predictable. Yeah, I mean, it was it was something I worried about a little bit, a combination of rust and injuries. I was a little worried about that, but to me, it felt like they needed to take a gamble on something because things weren't working in the bullpen, and I'd rather they try with this than not. Yeah, I I, I think that's fair, but I mean, I, I, I still... I still believe that I, I, I don't want to say that this was inevitable, but I, I think a lot of people probably should have seen this coming. You know, maybe one of my thoughts is uh, this this kind of came across my mind when I got Kimbrel, uh, was this was more of a long term thing. Knowing that he may not be 100 percent this year at some point. So right. we were trying to fix a problem now and tomorrow but really emphasizing on tomorrow so they don't run into this problem again. Because I'm sure Epstein and Hoyer knew that there was going to be some rust to shake off and some risks this year, not having a regular offseason. So I I think that's kind of how I look at it as well. Right. I I think that in the grand scheme of things, Kimbrell was only a small part of the solution to a very big problem that the Cubs still have. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Kimbrell was not going to single-handedly turn around a bullpen. You still had problems up and down, and you still had guys who were getting hurt. Look at Pedro Strope battling the injuries and not being the same. Brandon Kinsler's probably been your most consistent reliever all year. He's had some time on the IL. And I love Steve Ciszek, but they, I think they've pretty much milked him by now. It just, you you can tell, he's just not the same guy. And he was hurt, too. He's too erratic. He's too erratic. We've all seen it, and we knew it going into last night. And, you know, not to beat a dead horse here, but it it was a questionable move. It was. I mean, when think about it. Your most reliable reliever right now was a dude you knew nothing about a few months ago, and I'm talking about Rowan Wick. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, were, were Cubs fans going around in April or May or even June saying, yeah, no. Rowan Wick, he's going to be our no. top guy? No, of course Absolutely not. not, no. I mean, right now, and I don't know how long this Rowan Wick thing is going to last. We've, we've seen relievers come in and kind of just be flashes in the pan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But what he's done so Stuff looks far, good. Yeah, it looks good. He's kind of what I hoped Dylan Maples was going to be. Yeah, that's a good point. But, I mean, just, just watching Rowan Wick, I, I think he does have the potential to be more than just a flash in the pan. I, I, I he, hope I so. Think, I think that he could develop into a pretty important piece for this team, which, and I, which I they, so. really, they really need. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you would love to, to go into an offseason not having to worry about completely revamping the bullpen every single year. Yep. And, and you know we we've we've talked about this that every team has a similar situation where the bullpen tends to be a question mark mm-hmm. during the off season every year. But for the Cubs, it, it's been a pretty wild ride. You'd love to at least have a few guys who you think you can count on. Yeah, I mean, you look forward. You hope that Craig Kimbrell is fully healthy and fully recharged next year. Uh, you hope Rowan Wick can continue to be a guy that you can rely on out of the bullpen. Uh, it sounds kind of funny saying it, but I also got to give a lot of credit to Tyler Chatwood. I mean, overall, out of the bullpen, he's done a pretty efficient job. The numbers may not jump out and be spectacular, but you look at the body of work, he's what he's been, done in certain situations. No, he's he's come up pretty big in some games, as a matter of fact. So well, you got to give it, him some credit too. Yeah, you, you you gotta have somebody in your bullpen who has the ability to give you multiple innings too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even if yeah. even if they even if they're not all perfect, just having somebody that that can give your the rest of your bullpen rest going into the next few days is important. It's mm-hmm. really important. I mean, it, because. I mean, if it's a throwaway game, then there's there's no point in expending your arms. And so you you have to have somebody like Tyler Chatwood. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm also looking at the bullpen, too. You've only had one reliable lefty, really, and that was Kyle Ryan. Kyle Ryan's had a very nice year, but mm-hmm. he can't be your one reliable lefty. You need more than that. I mean, and again, this this goes back to what we were saying a little bit earlier in the show. If the Cubs do manage to squeak into the postseason, this scenario doesn't change. They've no, it still, doesn't. They've still got a mountain to climb. Can you imagine if they do make a wild card game and it's a close game in the sixth inning on the road in Washington and you got to bring in the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, it, you you just would almost expect the bullpen to blow it. Okay, quick question. Kind of off, off topic, kind of not. Let's say the postseason started tomorrow and the Cubs were in the wild card game in Washington. Who's your starter? <sighs> That's tough. Because I, I think if Darvish didn't have to miss a start, then he would be my pick. He'd be Simply, mine too. Simply because he does not walk guys. I mean, he, other than that fact, he's been great too. But he doesn't—he doesn't walk anybody. And, and I think that's that's a huge difference maker in in these make or break kind of games at the mm-hmm. end of the season. So yeah, I, I I mean that's to me that's a tough call between Darvish and Hendricks. I I don't think there's any question that it's only between those two guys. I agree. I mean. There's really no reason to even consider Lester or Quintana or Hamels at this point. It's Hendricks and Darvish. So if I had to choose right now, 
I think I would go Darvish. I, Hendricks is your more consistent guy, I think. But he also you, hasn't been very good on the road, though. That's the problem. Right. But going with a guy who's your, your highest strikeout rate guy, mm-hmm. who also, I mean, and that, that's pretty rare. When you've got somebody, your highest strikeout rate guy is also the guy who's not walking people. Yeah. I mean, because the high strikeout guys, they tend to nitpick a little bit around the zone, and that's going to result in some more walks. But Darvish isn't walking anyone, and that's huge. I mean, we know that his his biggest problem is giving up the occasional home run. But if you're not putting anybody on base and they're just solo shots, then you're still in the game most of the time. So I'm going with Darvish. Yeah, so I, I agree it's between Hendricks and Darvish right now. And I kind of made my pros and cons list. If this game was at home, it's Kyle Hendricks. I'm not even thinking twice. Right. But it's it, if, if it's going to be the wild card game, it's probably going to be on the road. Well, uh, and it... And, and and if one of the whoever it is, if one of those guys starts the game and is getting shelled, then the other guy's probably coming in right after him if it's a wild card game. I mean, it's, yeah, I one of my biggest pet peeves in wild card games is when fans say, well, what you, well, then what are you going to do about game one of, of the next series? Like, there is no next series if yeah, you don't you win this get game there. First. Yes, you 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 expend all options in the wild card game. It's to a win. game seven. Yeah, it's. The next series should not be a factor in your mind at all, unless no. you're up by 15 runs. No, you got to win to get there. It's like yeah. football. There's no resting guys in a playoff game. Yeah, you have you, one game. You do absolutely everything you can to win that game, even if it means you're going to be in a terrible situation in game one of the DS. Right, right. And you look, you look at the situation and you say, okay, Let's say you start you Darvish. Realistically, in a wild card game setting, knowing Joe, just kind of knowing how it's going to be, you would probably expect about five innings from Darvish, wouldn't you say? Yeah. About yeah. five. Yeah. And if ideal, it's close, in an ideal world, you get more than that. But yeah, it, this day and age, it, that's just you and I don't have to explain it. The the average baseball fan the game would is different. Probably yeah. Agree. Yeah. yeah. So let's say it's close. You know, Jose Quintana, I think, would be a nice guy to have out of the bullpen in that kind of a game. He's done it before. He's been in that situation before. So you would probably go to a Quintana or a Hendricks if the game is close. I mean, look at last year when they went to extras in the wildcard game. They used Hamels and Hendricks in that game as well. John Lester was a starter. So I think in this game, you have Hendricks or Quintana to come in. Maybe you bring in Quintana if there are a couple lefties coming up and you get maybe an inning or two out of him and kind of go from there. But right now, I hate to say it because I normally trusted the guy in every situation, but right now, John Lester is not someone I'd put out there, especially not against the Nationals who in recent years have absolutely crushed him. Yeah, it, I mean, it's sad to, to say, but... it. It looks like John Lester is out of gas. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, I can't be mad about it. He's 35. No. He's got a lot of miles on those arm. He did what he was supposed to do and more here. Making it this far has been impressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, frankly, looking next year on the last year of his contract, he's probably going to be like a five-starter. 
when you think about it. Yeah, he may not slot in the five spot, but I think the production you're going to get from him is, is going to look more like what you would get from a five starter. Go back and look at what John Lackey did in 2017 in the second half where he went maybe five at the very most six innings and kind of ranged between giving up one to four runs. Like what a five starter would do, just keep you in the game. That's what you would look at John Lester from here on out, basically, is just yeah. have him try to keep you in the game. And that's and that's fine when you've got a, a fairly reliable bullpen, but the Cubs do not. And so that, no, they don't. that complicates things a little bit. It does. It really does. And you look ahead at next year and you say, okay, are there any other guys that we can look at both in the system and on this team in the bullpen to be future contributors? Obviously, we talked about Kimbrell. We want that. Uh, you're going to look at guys maybe like Alec Mills or David Phelps or I, I think uh, I think the Dylan Maples experiment is at the end of the road. I'm pretty sure he's like out of options. So I think he's probably gone. There's probably. no more room for error with that experiment. Uh, Derek Holland. Yeah, he's he's gone. Uh, clearly, you hope Rowan Wick can come back. I think Pedro Strope. Normally, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt, but I just think with his age, the way the injuries have piled up and the way things are trending, I think that uh, that also has to unfortunately come to an end, which is too bad mm-hmm. because Strope has been so good for so long. But, you know, father time always wins. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just the sad reality of, of professional sports. You know, every Every player eventually burns out. Yep. Yep, and, and you take what you got from him. Yeah, and the Cubs got several terrific years from Pedro Strope. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he deserves a ton of credit. He's been one of the best relievers the Cubs have ever had, really. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that Strope's uh, more frustrating moments tend to cloud fans' judgment yep. of him. Yep. But when you look at his overall numbers across his multiple seasons with the Cubs, you you have no choice but to admit that he was, he's been a very good reliever for them. Absolutely. I, he's, he's one of those guys that has done something quietly that not a lot of other Cubs have done before. When was the last time you can look at a Cubs reliever and say, yeah, over so many years, he was this good? Yeah, he's I mean, one of the few. He's, he's one, one of the, the few. few. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's not quite Lee Smith or Bruce Suter level, but he's no. he's really dang good. You look at a number of good seasons from bullpen guys on the Cubs. You know, it only happened for a few years. Hector Rondon was very good, very underrated, but that was like a two-year stretch. Kerry Wood right. was a good closer here. That was like a one-two-year stretch. Carlos and- Marmol, few-year stretch. I'm not sure if it's if it's entirely accurate to say that Pedro Strope has been underappreciated because I, I think a lot of times the the negative reactions that you see to him, I think it tends to be a vocal minority. And I mean, you know what I mean by that when I say sure. I think that there, I think that it's more a, a, of a small segment of fans that complain loudly and often. I really do believe that the majority of fans understand and appreciate what Pedro Strope has done for the Chicago Cubs. 
Uh, I, I think that most people realize that his entire body of work for Chicago has been very good. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think that I, I, there are there are a segment of fans that are not giving him the credit he deserves, but I do think that most realize it. No, I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. And there, I mean, and there's also the factor that you know, and this happens with a lot of players that. When things are going poorly, people are speaking up. But when they're doing their job and, and performing well, it's crickets. Right, because they expect them to do it, basically. Yeah, and, and so the only things that you hear are the negative things. Right. No, I, I think that's a very good point. Very good point indeed. And I can get behind that. Let's talk about one thing that's pretty positive, at least, right now. At least for the time being. Well, I, I think it's positive no matter what. Nico Horner at age 22 is getting a chance in the big leagues and he had an awesome debut four RBIs, multiple hits, including a triple and made a few nice plays over at shortstop. Uh, you can't expect too much from a kid who was just in double a ball, but he looks like he's making the most of his time in these two games. It's a very small sample size, but he is really soaking in this big league experience. I think it's going to do wonders for him. And just seeing that debut was a really nice, fresh breath of air. Because looking forward, you don't have a lot of prospects right now, at least right now, before this offseason. You don't have a lot of exciting prospects coming up. And this is one of the few who is. So well, seeing him in the big leagues and contributing to a win, it's nice to see. Well, and I, I'm not even looking at it from the perspective of of good prospects moving forward. I'm I'm really only thinking about him being a spark plug right now in a moment where the Cubs desperately sure. need any level of, of contributions and excitement that, that that they can get. And we've spent all season saying, you know, Nico Horner, it's not going to happen this year. And I think we were right. Uh, given the circumstances. I think, mm -hmm. obviously, the only reason that he's up here right now is because Javi Baez and Addison Russell are both out. And Correct. If that, if that, yeah, if that wasn't the situation, then I, I still believe we would not have seen Nico Horner this year. No, no, uh, no, 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 but, no, no but, chance. But maybe, maybe, this is, maybe this is the the fate that the Cubs needed. I mean, we saw it with Robel Garcia when he came up. He was a nice spark plug for the Cubs for a while. Uh, and eventually teams kind of figured him out. Mm -hmm. uh, but there, there's not much season left. And so maybe Nico Horner can be the guy that picks things back up for this team. That would be wonderful. Absolutely. And I think spark plug is the best best way to say it. Because when we talk about a spark plug, we said the same thing about Garcia. And I think we all kind of knew that he was going to be just a spark plug. And by that, we mean someone to re-jump the team but not be the long-term solution. Mm -hmm. I mean, Robel Garcia, the league adjusted to him pretty quick. But when he came up and was tearing the cover off the ball those two weeks where he was doing really well, the Cubs were winning games again. The offense right. was doing much better. They had a nice little win streak there. He was that spark plug. He earned that chance. And, you know, when he first came up, he took advantage. We're probably going forward. We're probably not going to see Robel Garcia suit up as a Cub again. But, hey, he he was a spark plug. What's nice about Horner is he could be a spark plug and part of your future. 
Well, yeah, and I, I was just going to make that same point. Is you know, The difference between Garcia and Horner is that Horner figures to be a part of your long-term future, mm-hmm. uh, where I don't think most people did not see that for Robel Garcia. That's probably not going to be the reality for him. We didn't know who the guy was going into this season. No. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If Nico Horner goes on a tear from now until the end of the Cubs season, and he's mm-hmm. just awesome, and you've got a healthy Baez and Russell going into next season, does Horner force your hand and you put him on the big league roster to start the season in 2020? Oh, I, I definitely think he makes a case. I think a lot of that is going to be determined in spring training next year. I think do that's you, going to be the final test. But Do you think that's the best route? I mean, I mean, we see it all the time with players that you know they have a great stretch in the big leagues. Do you think it's in Horner's best interest to start him on the big league roster if he's great now and in the, the uh, spring training next year? Or do you think it's best to season him a little more in AAA? Well, I mean, that's definitely a question worth asking. I think if he proves himself through the end of the year and spring training next year, it would almost kind of be a crime not to give him a shot. But I think if the front office and the analysts say, hey, there's a few things we do want to season, then go ahead and do it. My personal opinion is, I think at the very least, we're going to see Nico Horner up. And again, this is very least. We'll see Nico Horner up, I don't know, midseason next year, unless there's an injury. But if he keeps playing very well, then yeah, I think he's got a very good chance to make the, the roster next year. But again, there's there's a ways to go for that. And you know, if he slumps a little bit, then you say, okay, we just got to seize him a little more. Again, the guy was in double A. He hasn't even played in triple A yet. He was on his way to one of the off-season leagues before he was called up. Does this spell trouble for Addison Russell's future in Chicago? If it I didn't think, already. I I think he's done. He's 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 done. He's out of here. The mistakes, he's not producing, the attitude, I it's in their best interest to give him the heave ho. I think so too. And you know, I I spent a fair amount of time defending Addison Russell and and trying to be encouraging. And and he's totally let us down, and he made me look like a fool. Because his attitude has sucked. I mean, what was it every, the other night saying, oh, it's a good thing I made an error? Are you kidding me? Every Well, that's, that's, that's what the point I'm making here. Everything that he's said has been wrong. Yeah. Every reaction that he has had to on-the-field and off-the-field mistakes has been totally tone-deaf. And I don't know if that's an ego thing or what, but everything he has said has disappointed me. I think that he had—he was lucky to get an opportunity to redeem himself. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I think he's blown it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I defend. You gotta I be def- done with it. I defended his shot at redemption. I firmly believe in second chances in life, and I don't think he's made the most of his at all. No, quite the opposite. I mean, you look. You look at him saying, "I didn't know the signs," 
and you have, oh, well, you know, he's a second baseman, blah, blah, blah. He's played more shortstop than second base by far. It's inexcusable. Like, come on. That, that awful error in Milwaukee, not even really owning up to it, saying it's a learning experience, saying it's a good thing, and trying to pat yourself on the back for getting to the ball, that's what you're going to say? In a tight race that lost you the game? Totally tone deaf. Kidding? Totally tone deaf. They, I am, I am praying they get rid of him this this coming off season. There is, you can even if you don't think Horner is ready, you can go out and look for other options. Well, I, I think at this point that he needs a fresh start if he's going to have a big league career moving forward. I think he needs a dose of reality of like, hey, this. Your attitude in the face of everything you've gone through is not going to fly. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, w- I wouldn't blame the Cubs if they decided that you know, enough is enough. And frankly, I-, I actually do feel more confident that they will do that. I'm starting to think so, too. I think that for what you're getting out of him, given what he's put you through, and it's, 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 not, an, it's not an even trade-off there. No. For no. all the things that you're putting up with for him, you're not getting enough production out of him. A 227 batting average, a 303 on base, below 400 slugging. His right. OPS is 692, OPS plus of 77. And, and That's I mean, not good at all. Yeah, maybe, maybe things would be different. If he was swinging the bat really well and he wasn't making stupid mistakes on defense, then you'd, then maybe you'd say, all right, you know, we'll, we'll put up with it. But, but that's not the case. And so you ask yourself, why is it worth it? It's not. It's not worth it at all. Not one bit. No. And again, you can go out and find other options. I mean, let's say, let's say the Cubs are like, all right, we want Nico Horner up in 2020, but we're going to keep him down for a little more seasoning for a few months. You can go out and find someone that can do what Addison Russell does and probably a little better. Sure. Fairly easy. At least someone who could field the ball and throw to first. You can find that. Right. Addison Russell is a replaceable player. Very replaceable. Yeah, for, for what he provides, there's scarcely a reason to hang on to him. I, I mean, it, he, he's replaced. That's the bottom line. Both you at can, the plate, and, and I guess there's a, there's maybe an argument to be made that at his peak, he provides something valuable on defense, but when you mix in all the errors, then, it, I mean, you're kind of losing something there, too. I, th- I think he's entirely replaceable at this point. He has not lived up to his, not even close. <laughs> I remember when he was called up, that some scouts saying, you know, this Addison Russell is a big deal. He He's He's greater than Bryant. He's going to be a bigger piece for the Cubs than Chris Bryant. Barry Larkin 2.0. And that could not have been further from the truth. No, no. I mean, heck, I'm looking at it right now. You can get Jose Iglesias like the Reds did for pennies. Jose Iglesias this year hit 11 home runs, batted 289, 316, 413. You can get that for pennies. That's better than Addison Russell. Easy. Oh, absolutely. Guys like that show up on the market all the time. Exactly. And Iglesias is a former All-Star. I mean, he's a proven player. 
So if they decided to go that route, I'd be all for it. If, I mean, if that it, meant replacing him, absolutely. Yeah, at, at this point, Addison Russell is not an asset to the Cubs. No, no, he's he, not. He, he, he was at one point for multiple years. Even, even though he did not play up to his potential, he was still regarded as an asset. I don't yeah, think that's the case anymore. Those days no. are over. And honestly, if Addison Russell's released and he's picked up by another team, it's probably going to be a minor league deal or just an invite to camp and see, hey, let's see oh, if you can probably. do it. It's and not and I, think that, I think that if he does get released, I think that the majority of the fan base is just going to have a collective uh, sigh of relief. Yep, and I'll be one of them. I'll be one of them. I will too. So the last thing I wanted to talk about on this show, a little bit of front office news today. Uh, Jason McLeod was promoted to senior VP of player personnel. Uh, People who follow the Cubs know that he has worked for a number of years with the amateur scouting and player development um, uh, with this organization, uh, according to the Cubs, eight years. Uh, So are we seeing big organizational changes happening already? Maybe at least the start yeah, something big. Uh huh. Because I, in this window, this championship window that the Cubs are hopefully still in, player development has been an issue. Yes, it has. They've made a lot of great trades for good players, and they've acquired a lot of great players via free agency. What we have not seen over this window is player development, and so I, I think that yeah, this is an area in which the Cubs drastically need to improve. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, and this goes back to the bullpen, too. You can't keep relying on acquiring free agents and trading for guys every single year. At some point, you're going to have to have the ability to develop guys in your own system. Especially in this day and age, absolutely. You look at you look at the world champions the last few years, including the Cubs. They developed a lot of those guys. The Astros, who could win another World Series this year, developed a number of those guys. Uh, right. You look at Boston, Mookie Betts. There you go. And I think there's an argument to be made that that's one of the most important areas you can have because, mm-hmm. I mean, as as nice as it is to trade for high caliber players, at some point, your trade assets are going to run dry. Mm-hmm. You can't do it every single year. Look at the Cubs. And so yeah, and so you've got to be able to develop from within. Yep, uh, I think that's. Uh... I think that speaks a lot about the development and it could also speak a lot about the future of some of the people in this organization. Some people have brought up the future of Jed Hoyer. Are there going to be big changes? We'll see. But I think in my opinion, what this tells me is that Epstein and company, they're looking ahead. They still have a season to finish, but they are starting to look ahead. And look, last, last off season, they were in a weird spot. They won 95 games despite the bad ending. They were not given a budget to work with. They had a lot of money on the books as it was. This offseason and to last season, they had a lame duck manager. You're not going to have those things. You're going to have money to work with. Uh, you may be looking at a different contract for either the same manager or a new manager. Um, and you may make some organizational changes Long story short, I think that there's a lot of Cubs fans who are worried that they're not going to make these big changes that they want 
I think you will see it because the circumstances in this off season are different from last year. I think so too. I, th- I think looking forward, that's going to have to be a strength for this team. If they're going to, if they're going to continue uh, to be a, one of the best teams in the league. I mean, it, you look back the last several years, all the great pitchers that the Cubs have had, how many of them were homegrown? Cricket, cricket, exactly, cricket. exactly. And you look at a lot of these other great teams in the league, and a lot of them were able to develop good young pitching. And mm-hmm. I, I think that it's in this era that's becoming more and more important that you're able to bring up guys from your own system yep. who develop into more something than ever. special. Because you, you you just you simply can't rely on acquiring guys on the market because that's that's doomed to fail at some point. I mean, you can have a great run of it like the Cubs have had, but as we're seeing now, eventually you get to a point where that's no longer a possibility, and then you're left with nothing when that's over. Eventually the well runs dry. Yep, exactly. And that's why I think we are going to see those big changes. I could go more and more on that topic, but we are out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. Adam, I want to thank you as always for coming on. I want to thank everybody for listening. A reminder, you can listen to this show on iTunes.com. You could also check out Cubby's Crib at Cubby'sCrib.com. Until next week, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.